Hosts Elle and Miriam are two Black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elle Cole, and today we have a fascinating discussion before you. We are going to talk about confidence, and we're going to start with the confidence and leadership of Nelson Mandela. His leadership style was respected around the world. He brought unity to his nation, dismantled apartheid, and served his community selflessly. However, he was not perfect. His first two marriages failed. He struggled to balance being a family man and community leader. Although he was in prison for 27 years, he never stopped learning. And he didn't let the oppression of the apartheid government get the best of him. He forgave the government and went on to become one of South Africa's most respected presidents. He believed in listening to the people he served. Two traits that made him stand out in the political world is that he was honest, respected the power he had been bestowed. He was also a patient listener and decisive. What are some other traits about Nelson Mandela that make him a great leader? Tweet us, tweet us your answer using the hashtag Cleverly Changing Podcast. Today's African proverb is, when the vine entwines your roof, it is time to cut it down. And that proverb is from Cameroon. It's now time for the word of the episode. Yumbani. Yumbani means home in Swahili. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a live stream of the Cleverly Changing podcast. I am super, super excited because this week is Black Children's Book Week. Now, I've never heard of that week before. This is the first time it was actually created by book lovers and authors. And you can go to their Facebook page, 
Black Children's Week on Instagram and also on Facebook and learn more about the week. So authors all around the country and even internationally, people all around the world are going to be celebrating with us from um, today all the way through March 5th. So today I have the honor and privilege of speaking with an author and an entrepreneur, Kizzy Dogan. So welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are? Yes. First of all, let me say thank you, Elle. Thank you for having me as a guest. I am so delighted to be here. Um, I am Kizzy Cottrell Dogan. I, as you stated, I am an entrepreneur. I own a, a facilities maintenance company. I am also the founder of a nonprofit organization, Love Circle Inc., it is geared for children who lost a parent before adulthood. Um, both males and females can partake in the services that we provide. And um, I'm an author, as you stated. I wrote the book, uh, 13 Journey to Womanhood. And pretty much I'm a boy mom. I love pizza. I love traveling. I love warm weather. I love all things extravagant. So that's who Kizzy is pretty much in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. I love that you love pizza because I like pizza too. And my kids like pizza. You can't go wrong with pizza, right? Never, never, never. No, it's a fun thing we do in my house. Um, as I stated, I have three boys and we sometimes make pizza. It's like a, a pizza off, like who can make the best pizza. And, you know, they usually don't vote for mine because I'm vegetarian and they like sausage and pepperoni and everything. But I always say I'm winning, hands down. The girls rule, so I win. Just because I'm a girl, I win anyway. Yes. So I, I want to jump into the conversation because you said you're a boy mom, but you write books. Are they for the book that you wrote? Is it just for girls? I know you are a mentor to girls. Do you do that because you have boys and you don't have girls? Can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. The book is strictly for girls. Um, it's, I love girls. I am partial to girls. I wear my sons out because I get on their nerves of, I am all things girl. I have appointed myself the girls team captain. And it's because it's, it's actually just an assignment of mine given by God that I lost a mom at an early age. I understand what it is to navigate through life without a parent. And because of that, like I resonate with young girls. And so this book was written for girls to kind of get a little bit of advice that to get it early. Some advice that I didn't get because my mom wasn't there. And even though I had great family and support and mentors, but it's still not the same. So this is what that book is written for, for young girls. Just some advice that I wish I had so I could navigate my teenage years without so many bumps and bruises along the way, but yes. I did survive, thank God. But that's what the book is written for, for young girls. I guess boys could read it, but the sole purpose is for young girls to understand their value and their worth and be empowered to become who God called them to be at an early age and not, you know, at 30 or 40 or 50. When they finally get an aha moment, they'll get it early so they can live a purpose-driven life. 
Awesome. You know, it's something I I have two daughters. I have twins. And I think it's something about we know how it is growing up because we were young girls. And I think there's a special bond to parenting, but it's different when you know what you experience. And I think you can really speak to that from a personal perspective. And it sounds like that's what you're doing with your mentorship. How early should parents start affirming their kids, whether they're a girl or a boy? You know, this um, instilling confidence in Black children is something that we have to we have to do. We don't have a choice. So how early should we start doing it? That's a great question. Parents should start affirming as soon as conception. Uh, as soon as they say, oh, we're pregnant, that's when we start affirming. I mean, just as we sing to our babies when they're in the womb or we read books, we need to just start affirming and speaking life over our children. And I mean, it needs to happen early because that is the catalyst to them being empowered and having self-love and understanding their value is the constant and consistently, and as well as collectively, affirmations from mom, pop, aunt, uncle, granddad, teacher, neighbor, just uh, affirmation is key. And I say as soon as conception, listen, you rub that belly, you are beautiful, you are amazing, you are wealth mag, you are all of these things great. Like we need to just do it as early as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think about the different messages that we take with us along our lives. Often it's those negative messages that stay in our mind. And so we constantly need to be given positive reinforcement because the negative just tends to weigh us down much easier and quicker. So we have to combat that with so much more positivity and whoever we can get it from, whether it's our, you know, you mentioned the mom, the teacher, the uh, principal, whoever, we need to be getting that from all different directions. So I love that you mentioned that. Yes, because we want them to believe the positive versus the negative. Like you said, it's so easy for us to remember the negative and we don't want them to remember that or believe that. We need them to say, oh, I don't care what you say. My mom said I was great. So therefore I am great. You know, we need that. That's what we want them to remember, the positive over the negative. Yes, yes. So In our parenting journey, there are some challenges that we face. Growing up, there are some challenges that we face. What have you observed while working with young girls that will help, you know, young women as they're growing up with on how to face different challenges and how to face adversity? Yes, the two things that I've noticed that are like really sticking out to me is that our girls are so emotional. I mean, it's like they lack the self-love and they do not understand their true value. And so they're so emotional. And unfortunately, they are misunderstood because of their emotions. We think they're rude or they they lack, you know, they're not caring about this or that. But it's really a lack of confidence and a lack of self-worth. But they're emotional. They don't have the tools to really articulate their true feelings. And, and, and the craziest thing that I've been discovering from going into the schools is that the roles have kind of reversed. Um, back in our day, it was said that, oh, when a boy, he pulls your hair or he teases you, it's because he likes you. 
And today the girls are doing that. The girls are hitting the boys. They're having fits. They're, they're, you know, and so we're looking at them as, oh, this is a problem child. But really, they're just so emotional and they don't know how to articulate their feelings. And, and so it's that's what we have to get in and start to teach these girls their value and that their self-worth and that they don't have to act out to get the attention, especially from these nasty, snotty nosed boys, you know, so they don't have to do that. But I, I think that the more that we empower our girls and don't dismiss their emotions as them being drama queens or, you know, like, oh, it's so minute, it's going to blow over. Like we have to really take stock into what what they're saying and what their issues are. And then that's how we can combat all of these emotional issues, because I mean, one day it's this, they want to commit suicide. Oh, the boy didn't talk to them. Oh, my best friend, this, you know, and it's, it's really sad because before when I was growing up, it was just like, oh girl, get over it. And then we did, we got over it, but these babies aren't getting over it. They're not getting over it. So we have to constantly be engaged, talk to them, pay attention, ask questions, and then teach them how to deal with what's going on and address it without shutting down. Because sometimes we shut down and we just, you know, it just compounds over time, one issue after the next without any resolve. So I think as long as we continue to work with them and understand that, you know, it's not that they are upset or angry or, you know, anything negative. It's just that they're lacking self-love and they're not understanding their true value. Another thing, these kids are overwhelmed. Like, yes, they are so overwhelmed. It's, it's, it's baffling. And I'm just like, before you would think, oh, like with my oldest son, I'm saying, oh God, he's so lazy. He's a lazy student. But I didn't realize it until getting into the pandemic that no, it's, it's not even lazy. They're overwhelmed. And so we have to kind of give them some tools to deal with it, you know, help them write out a schedule, engage them in conversation, um, figure out what they know how to do without your support and, and tell them to knock those tasks out first and then you know, we come give them guidance on how to check off the to-do list. And I mean, I have a to-do list and I still have things from last week on my to-do list today. And I was just like adding more to the to-do list. So I understand how it's overwhelming. Like, and right now it's so much devastation and pain and suffering that it's just overwhelming with everything we have going on. And those are like the key things that I'm saying that pe- that the kids are overwhelmed and that they're also just so emotional. And it's like, yeah. we all need a hug. Like everybody needs a hug. Everything, like, come on, let me give you a hug and, and hug it out so it can go away and we can move on with life. That's- yes, you just talked about the pandemic. And I think for many of us, when COVID came around, we found it a lot harder to connect um, tangibly. So those hugs, you know, there were times when we didn't even touch people, let alone hug them. So our kids especially are needing that affirming touch, especially if they're kinesthetic. 
if they're touchy people, like they need that in order to thrive. And I'm not so touchy, but even during the pandemic, I found that I was struggling needing more affection because the absence of it just felt so much worse. And so even if that's not your natural tendency, Right now, many of us are needing more of the affection, more of that sort of attention, because yes. it's like when you don't you, you don't miss anything until you don't have it. You yes, know, absolutely. Yes, so. that's so true. I, I mean, so my sons, they come in my room and I'm like, oh, you need some mommy time. And they're like because they they're thir- I have twins as well, two boys. And so. They're 13 and they're like, no, mama. But yet they're still right there for those kisses. You know, they want to play cool like they don't need them. I'm like, we all need hugs and we all need some love, especially right now. Like it's just so much crazy going on. So it's like you got to just come on, let's hug, let's let's spread joy and happiness so we can be healthy and whole. Absolutely. I think it's easy for our kids to get caught up in social media today. Back in the day, we didn't have that as a distraction. How are you engaging your sons offline to help them cope with with life and just kind of to distract them from social media? Because that can be a big distraction in their life. Yes. You put me on the spot with this question because during the pandemic at the first, I mean, I found myself going down that rabbit hole. Like I was on Instagram. I was bit, I was like, okay, you are sucking your blood dry and your brain cells. So I finally, I had to crawl out and, and figure out a medium of, okay, what's enough time? What's a good amount of time that's not damaging. And you know, you can still enjoy your guilty pleasure. But I, I say that in all seriousness, while my oldest, who's 24 now and out of the house, I discovered that the car was a neutral ground and it's a great place to engage your children. Instead of every passenger, you know, retreating to their phones and in their phones or whatever or falling asleep, because that's what my oldest used to do. I mean, as soon as he hit the car, he was knocked out. Um So I used to tease him all the time, like, you're never going to know where you are because as soon as we go in reverse, you're asleep. But I learned that the car was neutral and that's a great place to to talk. Like, I mean, you can sing songs, play games uh, and, and simply just connect and ask those hard, tough questions that you maybe feel uncomfortable with talking about in the house across the dinner table, you know, like sex, nobody wants to have the birds and the bees conversation with a 10 or 11 year old, just anything, drugs, we can talk about it in the car because it's a neutral space. So that's what I do. And my sons and I, we're in the car a lot because they're busy with activities and I'm just their Uber driver, um, not really their mom. So that's what we get a lot of talking in the car. And not only do we discuss the day and, you know, we kind of let our hair down, like it's a safe space. It's a judgment free. And sometimes we discuss things that I'm like, I can't even believe y'all sharing this with me, but thank you. But it's a little bit TMI. I don't really need to know this, (laughs) but (laughs) I didn't know we was at this stage yet where we're talking about girls and everything, but okay. But it's a great place. And we also play games. I mean, I mean, as simple as I spy, I spy 
a big red, whatever, you know, like we just play games and we talk. And then I let them take over the radio and my ears bleed and my, I can't believe the lyrics, but I let them do it. And, and we, and I even learn a few of the lines just to connect with them. So I think that's a great place. Now, as I was growing up, my mom never drove. So we caught the bus. Okay. So you can't do that. So if you're in a house, most of the time, I say, get a basket, put the phones in the basket and everybody just sit for at least an hour. No, no phones, no electronics, nothing. And, and talk. And, and, you know, like my sons and I, we, they love to cook. I love to eat. So (laughs) cooking is not my thing. I'm sorry, but they have discovered this passion for cooking. So we look at recipes and we work on this, on a particular recipe on a meal. And then we, you know, I'm Gordon Ramsay and there's Chef Juniors and we go over that. So it's different things that you can do because I know everybody loves social media. I mean, we're in a social media craze society right now. And, but, you can stop it for at least an hour. It's going to be tough in the beginning because nobody wants to be without their phone. I mean, I check my phone every two minutes, it seems like. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> nobody's calling? What's Okay, well, since nobody's calling, let me see what's on Instagram. Okay, enough of that. I mean, so I get it. But we have to really, really be conscious of it and intentional of devoting the time to engage each other as wow. a family. Yes. Yeah. I love that you talked about listening and just sitting with them, listening to their music, because so often we try to control things like control what they listen to, control where they go, who who their friends are and everything. And that doesn't always meet the kids where they are and what you're talking about sitting with your kids. It may not be music you like, but in order to get to know them, you would do it for a person that you love. You know, like if you were in a relationship. So that's so much more important. You should do it for your kids. They're way more important than someone else that you're trying to get to know. And so I think everything that you mentioned is just spot on and perfect because it doesn't have to be something complicated. It doesn't even have to cost a lot of money. You can be in the house cooking with your kids, even if you're not a cook, you can learn together. And so I like that because you're showing where you're vulnerable. You're showing that to your kids and you're allowing them to, to share what's on their heart. And that is going to be the stuff that they remember as they grow up. I know when I'm thinking about how I grew up, I don't remember any fancy things. I remember those quality time moments where I was listened to, where I was shown love. And so that's what really matters. Now, we are talking about, you know, confidence. We're talking about engaging our kids. Can you tell us why you wrote 13 lessons for every teen girl's journey to womanhood? What is your why behind that book? Okay, so let me just go on record saying that I never thought that I would be an author. It was never a desire or I even woke up and said, oh, I'm going to write this book. Actually, it just I was driving the twins to school and I dropped them off. And as I was driving, um, going back and forth from radio stations, you know, you know, when a commercial come on, you turn to another station and, and God spoke to me and said, you're going to write this book. 
uh, and you're going to, and he gave me the whole concept. And at first I was like, who are you talking to? Right. I'm not, you're not talking to me. Cause that's the, I, I, that no God, that's not my plans. And so really he, as, I mean, like it just kept getting louder, the voice louder and louder. And so maybe almost to my office, I was like, Oh, okay, God, this is a great idea. And so I sent like a message which, okay, I'm sorry, I'm guilty. I was texting and driving. And I sent a message to some women that I love and admire from all different ages. And I was like, oh, I got this idea. I want to write this book. Could you please help me um, and write a letter to your 13-year-old self um, of things you wish you had known? And so I, everybody was like, oh, that's great. But when it was time for it to take place, I didn't get the, you know, the response. And so God said, because that's not what I told you, you know, like that's why it's not, I'd say you're going to write a book and you're going to offer advice to young girls. And I was like, okay, because you know what? My mom died when I was 14 and I did have to navigate this world alone. And, and for a large portion of my life, I always felt like I was on an island by myself. Even though I had family and even though I had great support, I still felt alone. I felt like I was just in this world alone. And so that's what this book is all about. It is to offer advice to young girls. It is to empower them, inspire them. And, uh, and my hope is that they will discover their superpower and, and begin to just live a life of purpose and and from this book, once, you know, they will understand their true value and, and discover self-love, because that's the most important piece of advice that I wish to teach girls is self-love, because when they have self-love, then they have the confidence. When they have self-love, they can do it scared. When they have self-love, they're, they're not taking no for an answer. You know, if, if you, you're telling me no, but I, I know I'm going to go around you and I'm going to get what it is that I want. And that's that's the most important piece that I wish they get from this book. But that's how 13 became, because I was just driving along, minding my business. And God said, write this book. And it took me two years to do it because I would I would write some. And then I was like, oh, that's too personal. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But the, the key is you got to be transparent and authentic. So I just put my fears to the side and just wrote it and said, okay, I hope this is what, what I was supposed to do. This is the assignment and, and, and let's go from there and see what happens. You said two words or phrases that I want to talk about. One is do it afraid. And then you said transparency. And so I want to talk about that just for a quick second, because you mentioned that you were a teen mom and that's, that comes with fear. Um, when you're first faced with that obstacle, how did you move from that experience into being the entrepreneur that you are now, the author and a good mom? How do you navigate life without getting caught up in um, worries and fears and move past that? Oh, it's not an easy thing because there are times that uh, answers, let me just give you an example. I had the idea to start uh, my nonprofit 20 years ago, 15 years ago or so. And I didn't do it until 2019 and I, because of fear. 
or because, oh, it's a good idea. But I mean, you know, you make all these excuses or you tell yourself why it's not going to work versus why, why it would work. So um, it, I, I think just with prayer and support, mostly prayer and support, because like I said, I fortunately for me, you know, my mom passed when I was 14. But the fortunate thing is I had good family and support. So I wasn't just out here willy nilly um, winging it, even though I may have felt like I was winging it. I, I wasn't winging it by myself, you know, <laughs> so um, the re- that's the reality. But so it's just family support and 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 prayer and understanding um, that I have a purpose. And that, you know, certain circumstances is not due to my any fault of my own but I have a purpose and I must I must fulfill that purpose so that's that's how I um you know I actually wasn't a teen mom but I was very close I got pregnant at 19 I had my son at 20 you know he was born at 20 so I was still very young still didn't know what I you know we kind of grew up together actually Kobe and I I had him and when I was in first year college so um, and I needed a mother, you know what I'm saying, at that time. So, yes, and and just I, I I think it's coming from a strong family, a family that that strives for excellence, and 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 so that's what I'm most grateful for because I say it all the time, you know. Um, I'm like, thank God I had a you know mother with class and. I come from strong, beautiful women that's intelligent and sophisticated. So I, it kind of like I always envision greater things because I've, I've seen it. So representation is important. So I, it, it's definitely the key to everything, representation. And I saw it. So I knew, oh, you cannot just because you, you know, you can't go here. No, you're not going to get on drugs. No, you're not going to, you know, I couldn't go into all of these negative things that I could have because, I mean, it's a it's a cruel world out there. And you can get into anything that you want to get into if you decide to, you know, so I but I knew better. So I did better. Mm -hmm. Wow. You have accomplished so much. I'm so glad that you have a strong, supportive family because what you're doing really makes a difference in the community. And we need young women to pour into young women like we need to pour into our youth. We can't just expect them to feel loved, expect them to get the confidence. Who are they going to get it from if we don't give it to them? And so... What would you say is one of your greatest accomplishments? Oh, my goodness. Besides being a, a mom, okay, I, I always say that I survived cancer, not because I was diagnosed with cancer, but because my mom died from breast cancer at, when I was 14. She was 40. And so I say that's my biggest accomplishment, surviving um, cancer. And, and outliving my mother. My mom died at 40. I'm 44. God willing, I'll see 45 this year. Um, and so just being able to be a good mom, be a good person, be a good steward, uh, and, and and be of service to so many people. Um, and not only survive 
growing up and navigating this world alone, but I'm thriving. And so that's, I say that's my biggest accomplishment, surviving cancer. And, and I mean, yes, I had bumps and bruises along the way and I made tons of mistakes, but I recovered. I didn't let it take me out, you know, and, and I understand like, I don't have a malice heart or anything like that. I, I'm still believing in love and sharing love and spreading love and joy everywhere I go and just trying to be of service to people that I know and even to those that I don't know because I mean I meet strangers along the way and they may ask you know and I'm like why me God why am I the chosen one sometimes I don't get it but I just accept it and deal with it and understand that um that's what I'm here for is to help and and serve Awesome. Well, this conversation just has been incredible. I want everybody to know where they can get your book and tell them where they can connect with you. If you have your book, can you hold it up? Yes, I do. I keep a stack. This is the book, 13. It's on Amazon, sold on Amazon. All they have to do is look me up on Amazon or they can go to my website, which is www.kizzy.com kdogan.com and that's k-i-z-z-y-k-d-o-g-a-n.com and there's a link on there where they can purchase the book as well um i hang out mostly on instagram but i'm on all social media platforms at i am kizzy dogan so again that's i am k-i-z-z-y-d-o-g-a-n awesome well thank you so much everybody Go to kizzykdogan.com and definitely follow Kizzy on all social media platforms. It has been a true pleasure and an honor to talk to you today during Black Children's Book Week. Thank you so much. I'm so proud and so honored to be here. Thank you. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.